Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Crime Corner, where we examine all things crime, whether it be on the page, on the screen, on the street, or in the courtroom. I'm Matt Coyle, author of the Rick Cahill Crime Series, and I'll be your host for as long as it takes. My guest tonight, or today here on the West Coast, R.G. Belsky is an author of crime fiction and a journalist in New York City. He has a degree in journalism from Ohio University and has, been an, illustri- and has an illustrious career in both print and television news. He's a former vice president at NBC Local Digital News, managing editor at the New York Times Daily News, editor of Star Magazine, and metropolitan editor of the New York Post. Wow, it's a lot. Most recently, he was a managing editor for NBC News. I think it's NBC News Digital, but I didn't say that here. His crime novels reflect his extensive media background in newspapers, magazines, and digital TV news. Beyond the Headlines is the fourth novel in the Claire Carlson series, following yesterday's news, Below the Fold, and The Last Scoop. Dick lives in New York City. Welcome, Dick or R.G. Belsky. <laughs> hey, Matt, and uh, that always sounds more impressive when you string it all together like that, all the jobs, you know, but... Uh, it's very uh, impressive, actually. <laughs> I'm not sure it was all that exciting when you, when you were doing them, but uh, yeah, so I spent most of my career, most of my life... As a, as a journalist in uh, in New York City and uh, and 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 writing and writing uh, mystery novels. Let me just just this came to me as we were um, as I was giving your intro. So uh, why do you go by R. G. Belsky as opposed to Dick? How everybody knows you. I know I know you're <laughs> I know you're going to find this hard to believe, Matt, in saying the business, but it was a marketing decision by publishers uh, that, that said that we think it would be better for you to be RG than Dick Belsky. I have no idea why. It actually took place back in the 90s, um, hmm. and I had a woman character, and I think maybe they wanted to leave it open. It was the right. Uh, no, and then nobody could tell. And then they put my picture on the cover, so that kind of gave that away, you know. <laughs> and then uh, and then I did another series of books before, uh, you know, both you and I obviously work for the same publishing house now, Ocean View. But I did a series of books before them for uh, Atria, which is Simon & Schuster. And I said, mm-hmm. well, you know, I've been called Dick Belsky, Richard Belsky on a few books, and R.G. Belsky. I prefer to, you know, go back to Dick Belsky, and they came back and they said, we, we like R.G. Belsky better. So, you know, again, it's like I don't really know what the reasoning is. And so by the time I got to, the, you know, the, the current series, Claire Carlson, 
I just okay, I'm R.G. Belsky, and uh, and that's uh, and that's what I am. But uh, but as a journalist, I if you want to look me up ever as a journalist or Google me, it's Dick Belsky. So to avoid the confusion. Well, the the name situation has kind of come full circle, and R.G. makes sense if you're trying to be nebulous in your uh, gender because you're writing about a female character, Claire Carlson. So tell us a bit about her and Beyond the Headlines. Yeah, um, so B- Claire Carlson is a, a TV journalist in New York City, and she is a, a news director of a television station. And I've never actually worked purely at a television station. I worked at NBC, but I worked in digital and I worked in newspapers. I worked in magazines, but I, you know, I kind of use all my experience in newsrooms to, to talk about what her life is like uh, running a newsroom. Now, the one issue with Claire that I run into in each book, and I don't know if you've ever had something like this in your series, Matt, but um, the first book I ever wrote was, was supposed to be a standalone. Uh, it was very much involving a woman. It involved a, a the main character would involve a baby she had had years earlier, and uh, that you know, and I named that character Claire Carlson, and I wrote a book, and it was supposed to be a standalone book, which obviously had to be a woman, and I made her the news director of this station, um, and then uh, fortunately it went well, and they were they wanted more, and they were like, well, you know, we we want to do a series, um, so now I have the series where the news director has to go out and cover stories, which really doesn't make any sense because the news director would be sitting in an office doing budgeting reports and everything. So each book has to come up with a reason why the news director is out there doing that. And again, if I had thought of this as a series, uh, I don't know when you started doing Rick Cahill, if you were like, Oh, this is going to be a series. I have never, I've done like three series in my career and I never started any of them out as a series. They were, Oh, this is just a book. And, uh, you know, so sometimes you get yourself into a situation, but it's been fun. So um, I kind of write her a little bit like, uh, I guess, like it's a little like a McMillan and wife used to be, you know, where he was the police commissioner, but he's still out. He's still out solving crimes because otherwise it would be kind of boring. Right. Well, I think that you, uh, particularly in this book and the other books I read, you handle it deftly how um, she gets out out on the street, out on the beat, more or less. So, um it's well done. Well, what, yeah, so, one, thing, one thing I would like to say uh, about this, Matt, and I, I don't think it's quite is the same with a private eye like you write about. And and by the way, I've read uh, pretty much all the Cahill books too, so I'm I'm I'm, okay. I'm a fan, and and I'm still amazed by the, by Blind Visual, which kind of blew me away. Like how oh, you can write about a blind detective and pull it hmm. off. But um, hmm. you know, one of the things about with Claire, people always say to me like, well, you know, you really write. Like, this is realistic. This is what a newsroom is really like. And to a degree it is, but it also isn't because, you know, it, it's like in my entire career in journalism, I have never never personally known anyone. I've never heard of any journalist who ever solved a murder on their own, ever. You know, I mean, <laughs> the police solved them. Same with uh, a PI. But Claire, Claire solved the murder every, you know, every uh, – <laughs> no, every book. No, it's that suspension of disbelief. It's, you know, the same way where – you know, 500 people or whatever have been murdered in this little town in Cabot Cove, which only has a right. thousand people. You know, it's like you have to take these, uh, you you have to take those kind of liberties. So she's out solving murders, uh, even though she's the uh, news director. Well, may we all hope for the uh, longevity of uh, what's her face in Cabot Cove. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many seasons that television series went, but uh, well, but, I, but you know, I take and it. the books are the books are still being written. Um, you know, sure Donald Bain wrote them a long time, and then uh, 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 John Land, I believe, took over. I think somebody, you know, those, you know, it, that's yeah. People are dying there all the time in this little town, and uh, yeah. and Jessica is uh, is solving the murders. You know, there's a whole, you know, there's a whole side thing on the internet which I looked up one one day on this. This is like where my mind goes. That Jessica really is a serial killer. And she's the one committing all the murders, but, but we're getting right. on topic here. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I've heard that too, and actually, uh, that is probably more interesting. So, uh, as dis- as discussed, you have a wealth of experience in the news business. Um, when you started writing, I sort of sort of talked about this, but not exactly. When you started writing Claire four books ago, why did you choose a female protagonist? Of course, as you well, said, you didn't know there was become a series, but yeah, why um, for that particular I, book? Right. Um, I mean, in general, I think I've written that I kind of lose, I lose track at some point of the numbers because there was a novella thrown in, but I probably have written about 10 or 16 published uh, uh, books and, uh, so far. And I think uh, the majority of them have actually, I, some of them have had male protagonists. I wrote a, a series with a male protagonist before this, four, four books. Um, but I've always liked writing the woman character because uh, I, I just think you can kind of do more with the with a with a with a female character. She's up against more obstacles. Uh, and, you know, it, it, when I started writing uh, when I started writing many 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 years ago, I wrote a uh, you know I read Raymond Chandler and I was like oh I'm going to write a newspaper guy like you know like Philip Marlowe and I had a guy reporter who was doing this stuff and a woman. Um, read a friend of mine who was also in the publishing business read the book and she said you know this is pretty good you know but you know what if you made the reporter a woman you know wouldn't that be interesting and i switched it and it sort of the book just sort of came alive for me that way like you could do more stuff with it um and i have met so many interesting women uh journalists in my life and worked with them and so there's a wealth of of uh, you know of things like that to draw on so uh i don't you know i don't I don't necessarily, and certainly with Claire, I didn't necessarily think it out. Um, mm-hmm. But I do, I do enjoy writing her as a uh, as a woman character. And obviously, there's things you have to be um, careful with. You have to, you know, things like you want somebody to look at it to make sure, like things, obviously, fashion and things like that. But just yeah, other issues as well. Somebody will say, "Well, no, a woman wouldn't say or do that." And uh, mm. uh, but in general, I've uh, I've I've, I've gotten an awful lot of female fans, you know, who say, wow, I love the way you write a woman, which to me is, you know, is high praise. Indeed. Uh, I not I write in uh, male protagonists, but there are times right. when I have to describe like what people are wearing and fashion is the hardest, <laughs> especially for women. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. Certainly... It, it's tough. It's tough. But, um, and, you know, I, I guess I guess I get. I get most of my inspiration probably from some of the same people you do. I mean, you know, uh, Philip Marlowe. Uh, I mean, I loved uh, 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 Ross McDonald before that. Yeah, but I also read a lot of other stuff. I, when I started writing, I read uh, I read all the Agatha Christie's. You know, I don't. I just like got into that. Um, I read Mary Higgins Clark, and then you know I became a big fan of uh, who might be the best female character I've ever you know read is uh, Kinsey Malone by the late Sue Grafton. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, so a lot of that, but then, you know, I also like, I'm a huge Michael Conley fan. And, and as you probably know, I've read every one of his books. So, you know, there's some of the Bosch stuff that you want to draw. And I, I, I'm sure you're probably the same way people say, where do you, 
where do, where does your characters come from? And to me, they they're drawn from just a lot of elements of my life. And I try and do a character. This is true of Claire, and that's probably the true of Rick Kale too. I suppose is I kind of do the kind of character I would like to read about because I just feel if I do that, yeah, yeah. then hopefully other people will want to read about it too. Right. Well, because if you're not writing about what's interesting to you, then it's just not going to be interesting to the reader either. It's just going to, it's going to come across in the writing. Um, I'll say I'll say this: you you said you've had people um, tell you that she wouldn't say or do that, but right. you actually took it to the third degree, and because you're writing first person in her head, so you're in her yeah. thoughts as well. So that's very courageous. Well, yeah, and that that's not a well thought out thing either. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I. I I, you know, I, people say to me, I, every one of my books has been written in the first person that have been published. And people say, well, you've uh-huh. never written a book in the third person. That's not true. I've written a number of books with multi-viewpoint <laughs> and third person. They've never gotten published. So in the drawer, yeah. I, I find when I read a book, um, I generally prefer the first person and in, in the character. And I, when I'm writing, I just feel, um, because character is so important to me, to me, character is more important than the plot even. Uh, I yeah, find oh, the first person is the way to go. Yeah, and uh, but it's 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 it, you know we 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 you know we it was funny we talked about this a few years ago when I was on his show and I you actually had one of your fans who was pretty it was pretty cool because they corrected me and they were right and I read the book I couldn't believe it but it's like when you read the Michael Conley Bosch books I mean I always think those should have I'm gonna say those should have been you would have thought he would have written them in the first person because he's writing basically writing certainly the, the early ones are like the classic PI. But it's yeah. not. They're all in the third person except one, which he did in the first person. I'm not sure why. And, well, because uh, it, it was the P.I. novel he wrote. He wrote the one P.I. novel when Bosch retired and then that, ended up coming back to the force. Yeah. And uh, and I, I don't know if I told you this at the time, but I back in the 90s when I started reading him, I wound up having a drink at a bar with Michael Conley. And I was fascinated by this idea of why he wrote in the third person. Because to me, Bosch is a pretty – it's like Philip Marlowe. He's first person. You know, it should be I, yeah. I, I. And I said to him, like, so why did you write in the third person? You know, and I thought I was going to get this incredibly well thought out. And, you know, as you know, he's like a really, really interesting, yeah. uh, cool guy. And why did you write him in the first and the third? And he went – and not in the third person, not the first person. He's like – I don't know. I, I didn't really think about it. It just seemed like the way to do it. <laughs> Which I thought was right. the perfect answer for a writer. It felt it right for him, you know. So. Right. And he, and you you certainly do feel like you're in his head. So it, it um it's extremely yeah. close third person. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what I what I find the only thing that I find annoying because you know you read a lot of uh, uh, multi viewpoint different books and you know the Jack uh, Jack Reacher books another example he writes some of them in third person some of them in the you know Lee Child has written some of them in the first person the only one that bothers me sometimes is when you'll be reading in one form and then suddenly they'll switch to another form it'll kind of jar you you know it's like as long as I know what I'm getting in a book I'm I'm generally happy with it right so um, Beyond the Headlines begins with a simple, mur- seemingly simple murder mystery, then spirals into yeah. something much bigger and even goes all the way back to the Vietnam War. Yeah, and which, I, reading, which, I, which, I was, which I actually was, I just, for background, I actually was there in the Vietnam War. Well, that's what I found out in reading the book. And so, but yeah. my question was, I mean, because, you know, we're, we're all old, but that was a long time ago. So I'm wondering why yeah. you chose to address the Vietnam War in this book. 
all these years later. Well, let me let me just let me just say quickly about the book because I don't want people to think the book is about Vietnam because Vietnam no. is part of the book, but it's a small part. Right. The book is basically um, the book was to some degree, if you had to look for an inspiration, it was from me covering the O.J. Simpson case or being involved in that during the '90s, which was the most famous celebrity crime, obviously of our of our time, um, and. Uh, I just thought this idea of, of combining murder with celebrity, a big-time celebrity who gets arrested. And my character, the, the woman who is arrested, is a woman named Lori Bateman. And she actually was born in Vietnam but then came here, becomes like a – and she becomes famous. And I, I describe her as being famous for being famous, sort of like a Kim mm-hmm. Kardashian. Like she's mm-hmm. not like a big movie star. She's not like a – she's a model. She does a lot of things. But everybody knows her. And then she marries this billionaire rich guy, and they become, you know, uh, A-list celebrities. And then he's gone murdered. She's accused of the murder. And, uh, and, and, that's when it, and that's really what, where, where Claire gets in. And Claire begins, like, thinking she's innocent. Uh, she also finds out that the marriage had been a like, very unpleasant marriage. There had been abuse and things. And she has a lot of sympathy for this woman. And, uh, and, then, she, and then she starts following the evidence, and then she becomes – she's not sure. She doesn't know whether this woman is a victim or, or really a cunning killer or whatever. And the country at the same time, because she's a celebrity, begins choosing sides, you know, very much like with OJ, you know, and a lot of it doesn't have to do with the evidence. It has to do with the person. And with OJ, the issue was race. And in this book, I deal with the issue of, you know, women's rights and me too. And, and this woman, um, you know, using that as, as a, a – and one of the reasons, you know, why – like I didn't kill him, but if I did kill him, you know, he, he should have died because, you know, he was this guy that was doing all this stuff to women. Um, and, uh, so, you know, I try and draw in a lot of that, uh, in the main plot, but then, uh, as you point out, uh, the, the, the victim, it turns out was in Vietnam in the late sixties. And so I came up with this idea of, well, like, you know, if I could get some of the, the beginnings, of the plot back that started 50 years ago, I, I could use some of my own background to write about it. And I did. So some of the stuff that with, the, with the, the victim is like he worked in an intelligence unit in the, you know, in Vietnam. Well, I worked in an intelligence unit in Vietnam. Uh, so I was able to draw on a little bit of my experience. And, you know, I always point out, people say, thank you for your service. Well, I was drafted. I mean, I didn't really have any choice. And, well, but when I got out of Vietnam, uh, I wanted to write a Vietnam novel. That was my goal. And I never did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started a few times and I was told, oh, nobody cares about Vietnam or whatever. And I probably will never write a Vietnam novel, but this this is sort of the closest I've ever come because there, there's a whole B-plot in here involving, uh, involving Vietnam. Well, regarding one thing you said, um, drafted or enlisted, you still served. So you should be fine. <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah, I did. Right. I did. I, I and, the army made me an offer I couldn't refuse, which was uh, <laughs> uh, you either go to Vietnam or you go to Canada or you go to jail, and uh, you know. But it was it was it's one of those experiences that um, while it's going on, you wished you weren't doing it, but you, later on you look back on it and you think, well, you know, that was, you know, as a writer, uh, I'm sure you've gone through this a lot of time. As a writer, like things like that, I think I think help you become a writer because you you draw on a lot of things in your own in your own past. Yeah, I mean, I've never had that that kind of past, but unquestionably, the, the the bad things that happen in life, you later use them to, you know, put emotion in scenes. Um, so we touched a little bit on celebrity. I mean, you know, back 
I, you said the Kardashians. I was thinking Paris Hilton was kind of the. Well, that's the other one I use. I always right, say but when I, I've been doing the. I say Kim. Well, Paris Hilton was you know like from a few years ago, and then the Kardashians now. Right. But it's like yeah, it's like well, what what are they? I mean, why are they famous? Exactly. And uh, that's kind of what I wanted well, to create. I think they're famous for sex tapes, but yeah, that was that 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 we're now in this period where almost anybody can be famous with social media. You know, if you somehow yeah. do something interesting or stupid enough and get enough followers, I think it tend, tends more towards stupid. That all yeah. you're famous too. And um, just wondering, do you think it, do you think there's going to be a backlash to this, or is it going to, or are we just all going to have our not only 15 minutes of fame, but like an hour and a half before we die? Well. <laughs> I, you know, I've seen it all happen over, you know, certainly just over the last 10 years or so. And uh, I don't know that it's ever going to go away. I mean, we, you know, social media has become such a, just a part of all of our lives now. And and especially with kids and stuff, and they can't live without it. Uh, And, uh, you know, look, there's, there's good things about it. And, you know, I mean, I remember when you work in the newspaper, you didn't know something and you, had to go to a library and look it up and all that kind of stuff. And now you click one thing on Google and yeah, you got no, the information. Uh, right. But, uh, you know, I think the you know, the, and I get into it list a little bit in the book, you know, like the viral response to um, what my character, Larry Bateman does. And, you know, there's this such emotion that it actually can, um, you know, can overwhelm the evidence and people start reacting right. emotionally. And that's where my Claire, uh, character, Claire, has to um, – has to kind of put that aside and just actually look at the evidence. But, you know, one thing that comes up, and this has come up with um, the previous character I wrote, who was a newspaper reporter, as well as Claire, um, in my books, I have to address all this because I can't, uh, you know, I can't do the old-fashioned thing of, you know, somebody going to a payphone and calling somebody or looking it up in a phone book or anything. Um, All my characters have to be able to use social media. They have to be able to, you know, do live streams. They have to be able to tweet stuff when they're on assignment and all this kind of stuff. And um, it gets a bit tricky because you can't get too technical about it because, number one, by the time your book comes out, some of that stuff will be, you yeah. know, will be gone. Um, I quite but, uh, but, you know, the, you know, I mentioned Sue Grafton before, but I always thought she, she, really, she really played it the smartest was, you know, she set her books in the, uh, in the 80s. And uh, so she was able to have Kinsey Malone not – not have cell phones, not have internet, right. you know, and things like that. And uh, it's, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know how, you, it, how much you deal with that, but if, when you're writing in present day, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's very hard to, it's very hard to, to deal with that in a way that that's not, you, you want to address it, but you also don't want it to come back and bite you and do something stupid too. Yeah. Well, you mentioned blind vigil and uh, that one, there's a lot of technology that helps vision impaired people. And yeah. I didn't get into that too much because I was concerned about messing it up and then having it, like you said, by the time the book comes out, not be relevant anymore. Just a quick aside about Sue Grafton, who you mentioned. Um, you know, I had the chance to meet her at this MWA meeting uh, dinner one time, and what right. a wonderful, funny, down-to-earth yeah. person! Just a great person. Yeah. I, great I, I, I met her. Um, I met her. I met her once. Uh, I have a picture of her and me together at uh, BoucherCon. I think the one in Long mm-hmm. Beach. And, nice. um, and uh, yeah, and I was, like, amazed, like, when I met her, because she's a tiny, tiny woman. Yeah. But uh, she uh, – and you probably have, have, have dealt with this. Um, when I started writing books, uh, I would reach out to a lot of authors and ask them if they would give me author blurbs, and I would read out mm-hmm. to some famous people. And most of them would ignore you or – 
you know, or just really they wouldn't respond and things like that. And uh, I never actually got an autograph from Sue, from Sue Grafton, but I got to tell you, she couldn't have been nicer. I mean, every time I would ask her, she would send me this letter, this detailed note, and they, they, those days were letters, you know, telling me why and explaining and apologizing. And, uh, yeah, she just – and I heard her speak at a conference or two, and um, she she was a pretty I was I you know I gotta say I was shocked when she died because I had no idea even when I heard it it's one of yeah. those mm-hmm. one of I think everybody that ever knew her and if for people that have read the books if you haven't uh, if if you haven't read it you should read her nonfiction book too um, what's it it's called something I'm trying to think of the damn book she wrote a nonfiction book um, about her own life and how it turned into Kinsey Malone and it's it's pretty fascinating stuff. Yeah, she was a fascinating lady. So, um, quick uh, shift to craft. Uh, I was curious about, obviously, being a journalist. I imagine that takes a lot of organization. How has that um, aided you in writing novels? Well, you know, the the thing about I think most most a lot of novelists have been journalists. I mean, Michael Conley is a perfect example, right. and. Uh, uh, I, I, to me, the, bit, the the biggest thing is is I know how to tell. It, 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 being a journalist taught me how to tell a story, but I know how to tell a story, and I know how to meet a deadline. So, like when you know, when mm. the boat is like, I gotta have this, but I'm like, fine, whatever. You know, I'm not. Oh, it's gonna take me eight years to write the novel or whatever. Mm. Um, so there there is that. Um, so I think it, it it really helped in in almost all ways. The one uh, problem I came I got from it was that. Um, as a journalist, you're taught to tell, tell the story very quickly, and I was a tabloid journalist, which means I was supposed to tell it even more quickly. Uh, you're supposed to put all the main facts in the lead, and maybe the whole story will only be 12 inches long. So you, you, you know, you, you, that's how you learn to write. And when I started writing uh, fiction, when I started writing novels, um, the one criticism that I would get from agents or editors were like, you know, hey, you've got to slow down. You know, like you're going mm. from A to B to Z too right. fast, you know. Um, and, and, and a larger so canvas. I, I really had to, yeah, I had to learn to stretch it out more because as a journalist, my, you know, and, and you know, like I always say, you know, in a, in a newspaper story, you put all the facts in the first paragraph. You put all the right. facts in the first page of a mystery novel, you got no novel. So that it, mm. it sounds, I mean, I know that sounds exaggerated, but the, but there is an element to, uh, to that. But I think in general, um, um, and you know, we you know we talk about Conley, and he he's actually said, and in fact, I interviewed him not long ago for I think the Big Thrill, and he basically has said that if he hadn't been a journalist, he probably would not have been the novelist he is today. Mm. Uh, journalism is a great training ground for uh, for writing novels. Yeah, it works uh, for both of you. Uh, so before we go, you appear on the Sons of Sam series on Netflix. Ah, yeah, you're gonna. How'd that come about? Yeah, I sort of became an overnight celebrity uh, for at least a few <laughs> minutes uh, by this. It's amazing. Uh, a while back, so I was the city editor of the New York Post back in the 70s when uh, the summer of Sam, I had just been named. I was very young, and uh, and uh, but I was there for all the Son of Sam murders and everything that went on and all the crazy media stuff that happened. And so when they were doing this series, it's called uh, Sons of Sam, A Descent into Darkness. And it's a question of whether there were more Sons of Sam than just David Berkowitz. Yeah. And uh, but um, and I said, though, no, I don't I have no knowledge of that. And they said, well, we, we would like you to come talk about what it was like, you know, during that summer, you know, at the Post and all these other places. So I did this. I guess it was the 
fall of 2019, well before COVID, and then, you know, like forgot about it, and then everything got put on hold, and then it came out on May 5th, and uh, I'd totally forgotten by that point what I even said or what I did, you know, and, and uh, uh, I was a little nervous, and I looked at it, and I said, oh, I seem to have a relatively small part. I don't know. Like, I've, they quote me it several times in the first two episodes, and I mean, I was stunned. I just got this every I, people I haven't talked to in thirty years. Like, oh my God, I saw you on Netflix, you know. <laughs> and it 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 is amazing the impact that it that it has. I mean, not necessarily my performance, but just the fact that I'm on TV on this show, making you know, doing a few of the what do you what do you call them, talking heads or whatever, who who, who give you a little. Uh, a little background, and uh, right. it, it culminated a few days ago when I when I walked into one of my restaurants near here and where I where I live, and uh, I'm going to get a takeout, and I walked in, and like the, the waitress is all standing behind the bar, stand up and start clapping and cheering, and like, <laughs> you're famous, you're a star. And I don't know about you, Matt, in terms of your career, but I'm not really used to this kind of celebrity notoriety. <laughs> Well, I get it all the time. Anytime I leave my house, I yeah, get it. Yeah, I know you probably do. Yeah, but uh, anyway, so yeah, it's uh, Sons of Sam. It's actually a pretty good series. I mean, I had a very small role in it, but uh, I I think that will be the beginning and the end of my TV career. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of it's kind of cool to have done it. Well, you come across well in it. You give a sense of the time, and I think it's kind of it's a binge worthy series. I mean, everybody likes. I mean, everybody everybody's interested in serial killers, and this guy takes right. it. Completely different well, point of view, only, and there's only four episodes, so it's it's you know like it's like it's it's manageable. You know, you you basically right. can can sit down and watch it in uh, in pretty much uh, one is like four what a total of uh, four hours. Um, so you don't have to commit to a series or anything. And again, I I didn't do it, but I thought it I thought it was very well done, and it actually raises some interesting questions about uh, that I hadn't really been aware of of stuff you know that was going on back then which is apart from just Berkowitz and being caught, but just questions about other leads and, you know, whether or not there were other, any kind of accomplices. So, but, you know, if you watch it, you'll, you'll see, make, make up your own mind. You know, it's a good mystery right. story though. I'll tell you, you know, so. Yeah, it is. it's, um, I tend to watch it. I tend to watch um, streaming stuff, lying in bed with my tablet. So I fall asleep. So I've made it through, which is good. I mean, that's the purpose. But I haven't made it through the whole series yet. But um, I did see your episodes. It was good. And I think it's uh, yeah, it's definitely binge worthy. Um, yeah, I'm, so, I'm in the first two. I'm in the first two episodes. So if people want right. to only watch me, you can watch two. Well, yeah. You know. I mean that's uh, that's all they can take. Uh, so <laughs> one one last question about uh, sure. the future. So do you see a standalone uh, in the near future or another series, or are we going to write Claire for a while? Well, I love, you know, Claire, I've got a fifth book coming out uh, next, well, I'm writing it right now. Hopefully it will come out. Uh, I, I think I'm like, I think I'm like you. And when I'm in the middle of the book, you're like, oh, I'm never going to be able to do this, you know. But uh, uh, anyway, um, yeah, I have a fifth book that will come out next year in 2022 with Claire, and I'm working on that now. I also write a series of um, thrillers, and I have a book coming out uh, in uh June for a place called Bookature, which is a British publisher, and they're written under the name of Dana Perry, P-E-R-R-Y. So I'm I've written I'm writing those at the same time that I'm writing with a female character, believe it or not, a female private eye, a female <laughs> police officer rather. And um, so right now I'm kind of busy, Matt. You know I don't, know, but uh, yeah, you know, you. I'm like I'm always like yeah I'm always like thinking of things and and like I said, all my series started off as standalone, so. Uh, generally when I start a book, I'm thinking of that book. I'm not, you know, I'm not thinking about doing a series, but, 
the, the good thing about a series, and you know this, well, the good and bad thing, because we've talked about this, because I interviewed you, too, for, uh, for Blind Vigil, um, is that on the one hand, you've got the character, and so you don't have to come up with the character. But on the other hand, you've got to keep the character changing and moving and, and growing right. and, and developing. Um, so, you know, it, but I, I, I like, if you like your character, and I think any writer, you have to like your character to do it, I think, and you really get into, you really get into that character. And uh, so as long as, the, I, I assume you feel the same about Rick, as long as people want to read Claire Carlson, I'll like Claire Carlson because I like her. Right, absolutely. Well, the latest is Beyond the Headlines, came out, I think, in the last month. And at uh, bookstores it's, it's near you. Yeah. yeah, this month. Uh, well, so what's uh, how can people find you on the World Wide Web, or do you want them to? And uh, and I should also point out that if you if you I mean obviously I'd love to sell the hardcover, but uh, it's also this um, Beyond the Headlines plus all three of the earlier books are like a Amazon Kindle monthly deal for the entire month oh. of May, which means cool. you got a couple more days you can get it for even, you know, like a dollar ninety nine or something. So, uh, but you know, you really want to get the hardcover, obviously. Uh, I'm on, uh, I'm on the web on, uh, yeah, my, you know, my, my, my author name of rgbelsky.com is www.rgbelsky.com is my website. I try and keep that as relatively updated as I can. And I'm on Facebook as, uh, both Dick Belsky and R.G. Belsky, so you can you can meet both of us on uh, Facebook. You have a choice. All right, Dick. Well, yeah. thanks a lot. Really enjoyed talking to you, and good luck with the continuing tour. Thanks, Brad. I hope I hope to I'll see, hope to hope we can all make it to one of the conferences or like BoucherCon and meet up in person this year. I'll be there. I'll be at BoucherCon New Orleans in the heat. Okay, the man. All right, all right, buddy. Man. Take care. Good talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. If anyone out there would like to listen to me yammer on about my books, I'd love to talk to your book group. Uh, I just did actually a live book group, um, book club, I don't know what to call my group, book club uh, a couple weeks ago. We met in a park, and I got sunburned. Anyway, you can contact me through my website, mattcoilbooks.com, or you can find me on Novel Network. They can hook you up, and we can do a talk. Uh, I will be back in the next couple weeks, and this is a copyrighted trademark podcast owned solely by the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Thanks for listening in. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.